Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. It's not another Buffalo podcast. The bi-weekly show hosted by three of the most underqualified sports personalities this side of the canal. With Pat. Unpopular opinion. I really don't like garbage plates at all. I feel like they're kind of kind of greasy. Without the meat sauce, maybe. That's just what gets me is like the meat sauce. John. Yeah. yeah. Like when you get to a certain age in your mid-20s, I feel like certain things that are so, so greasy and so, so deep fried stop being as appealing. So, Pat, maybe you're more mature than all of us at this point. <laughs> and Rando. Pat, what'd you get instead of the garbage plate, though? Yeah, no, I got chicken tenders instead <laughs> no, of the garbage plate. Okay. Zero maturity. Zero maturity. <laughs> On Buffalo Rumblings. All right, welcome back to Not Another Buffalo Podcast. I'm John. I'm here with my buddies Pat and Brando here on a non-victorious Monday night. But how are you guys doing? How did the loss hit you yesterday? Was it like a typical Bills loss? No. Pat, I know you got a story to tell, so I don't want to I don't want to spoil that too too soon. But Brandon, how was how was it for you? But Pat, I want to hear your story in a second here because he definitely had an abnormal game day experience if one ever were to have one. But it was really I kept waiting for something to happen more. Like it, it kept me anticipating more and to be let down a few different times because when you run off the drives that we had and the time of possession that we had and the yards that we had to see it seem so smooth and flawless for so much of the game. And then to have trouble with these short yardage situations and goal to go situations. And it, it left me feeling frustrated because um, I just expect better as does, as do most people. Right. For me, it was, I guess the one thing that I, I felt different about, and maybe this was just because I was so anxious the entire game, like on the edge of my seat, just wouldn't move, would not get up and get food during commercials. Just like it's totally different from the first two games of the season, right? Where it's just like, this is amazing. It's a party, you know, it's relaxing and fun to watch. No, this is like, ugh, this is, this is intense. But every single play felt like it took so much effort to get off, to do anything. Josh rarely had a clean pocket. Every single pass down the field felt like, oh, this is a miracle that he even got it off because they're rushing five every single time and somebody's coming free on the edge and he's just got to dump it off. So it was weird because it felt like a very grind out 500 yards of offense, if that makes sense. Even though if you have 500 yards of offense, like you're moving the ball. 497. 497. Okay. Sorry (laughs) for running up there. But yeah. So after they lose and the game's over, you feel gutted, right? But it kind of passed quickly for me. You know, because out of all that stuff that went wrong, they still had a chance to win it in the last two minutes against a good team. Like, I don't want to discredit Miami either, but like against the Heat, people were dropping like flies. I mean, I was sweating just watching those guys run. And I can't imagine what that was like 
you know, to have to play through that in that sun and then sit on the bench in the heat and have no relief for three, four hours. But I'm feeling good about it only because not, not about the game, but about the season in general moving forward. Cause I mean, if that was the worst that we could do, I mean, you, you couldn't have had anything else go wrong. Pretty much. You're missing half of your offensive line. Everyone's down all that stuff. So I, I still feel like the bills are the best team in the NFL despite a loss, but Pat, you had sort of an interesting experience uh, watching the game or not watching the game. So uh, how, how did you feel after the Bills game? I guess just confused more than anything else and not for the reason that you boys were. But um, I was in, I believe, I just want to make sure I'm saying it right. I believe it's Dole's Airport. I just want to make sure I shout them out because the service was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Dulles, D-U-L-L-E-S. So here I am and I'm on a work, I'm on a work trip. I'm in Houston, Texas, whole week, three days of triple digits. I'm like, I hate this. I'm ready to go back to Buffalo. This is terrible. People out here, it's the anti-Buffalo if I've ever been anywhere in my entire life, you know, just a long week. So I'm just ready to go home, ready to enjoy myself, ready to watch some Buffalo Bills. I even, I'm with my coworker and her partner. And her partner, Ben, and I are like, we don't even care that we're getting up at five o'clock in the morning, you know, to get on a plane at six because it'll be all right because that'll get us to Washington, D.C. by 11. And then we just get on our connecting flight, you know, at 1145 to leave at 12. And we'll be back by, you know, probably the start of the game or maybe, you know, halfway through the first quarter. So first half of it goes well. Got nothing but anticipation in my mind. Ben and I, we're, we're having a great time. Now, this lucky SOB takes his connecting flight out of Philadelphia. Meanwhile, his partner, Michelle and I, we go through Duels Airport, Washington, D.C. Don't recommend traveling there. So we get on the plane and for whatever reason, this plane is like airtight. No one has service in the plane and the plane hasn't even taken off. So, um, you know, here I am. I'm like, well, I just paid all this money for NFL Plus and so did these other four dudes in the back of the plane. So what are we going to do? So we're sitting there and the, the plane starts and it kind of does like a lap around you know, the runway and we're like, what's going on? And the, you know, the pilot comes over and he's like, well, there's been thunderstorms reported on the East coast. So all planes are grounded right now. So we're like, okay, well, they'll probably let us get off the plane and go stretch our legs. No, we're stuck on the plane. And, um, it's 12 o'clock. We're like, all right, you know, we'll be in the air by 1245. And all the time, you know, all, all the time. Meanwhile, there's no Wi-Fi on the plane. There's employee Wi-Fi, but there's no passenger Wi-Fi. So we're just like bargaining with the, we're, we're bargaining with the employees, like, please just use your Wi-Fi so we can stream the game and they're not listening. And so it gets to be one o'clock and we're like, okay, you know what? Maybe we can step outside. Still not allowed outside. We've been on this plane for almost an hour and a half. So none of us could get any sort of reception, no radio reception. So all we could do was check Google and the box score would come up and the time would be a little bit different. And, um, so we saw him, you know, uh, whatever, well, not saw them, but saw the box score change. Um, <laughs> I think it was, was it Reggie Gilliam? It was either Reggie Gilliam or Isaiah McKenzie caught the first touchdown, I think scoreboard says. So whatever. And, you know, we're having to check intermittently, really not knowing what's going on. And then all of a sudden it's seven or yeah, it would have been 14, seven bills are up. And then all of a sudden the dolphins were like on the 10 yard line and we had no idea that Josh fumbled the ball. 
And um, so it was just a rat race. And we're looking at the stats at halftime and we're like, how is this happening? And then we didn't know if Tua was back in the game because then someone got an ESPN alert that Teddy Bridgewater had entered the game. So then we're thinking that the entire half, you know, the second half of football is being played by Teddy Bridgewater. (laughs) And um, (laughs) so we finally, they let us off the plane for a split second. We check our phones, kind of figure out Tua's back in the game. And secondhand, we get word that there's been a punt blocked at the end of the game and the Bills have a chance to win it. And, um, last thing we see from the box score is that the bills are on like their own, or maybe they're on the dolphins, like 48 or something. And then we checked it again and there was no field goal attempt and the game was over <laughs> and, and Josh hadn't thrown an interception and we were literally like confused. We were so confused and the plane didn't get down for another like 20 minutes. So we were all just on the plane line, just like what happened? Like literally what went down. But, um, you know, was that show where the plane goes into like, is it manifest or the plane time travels or something and they'd have no idea? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I, I wish it time that, traveled. That, that sounds right. Manifest is that show that pretty much the previews looked like it was a reboot of Lost. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah. Well, that sucks, Pat. That's unfortunate, especially in an airport. Airplanes. Uh, that's my anxious time right there. I'd be freaking out probably. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you what, Pat, if you were watching the game, you'd just be just as anxiety riddled. I promise you. Yeah. Because I usually have a nice, fun time kicking back and you know having a beer while I watch the game. There was none of that. I ate like a tiny piece of lasagna before mm-hmm. the start of the game, and it was no food after that. It was just like you know, like white knuckle driving. Like yes. this was just white knuckle grabbing the couch. I, I don't even know, but it was <laughs> it was pretty intense. But now, do you feel? Do you have a lucky? Because I think honestly, what had happened was when I was watching the Bills game week one, wearing the Josh jersey when. Week two goes around and I get to see, you know, Mr. Habermas at the stadium. I'm wearing the Josh Allen jersey. Jersey was too big. I didn't want to get it dirty. So on the on the plane, I'm wearing my 90s Thurman Thomas jersey. So I think that if A, I choose school and B, <laughs> wear the Josh Allen jersey, even though those are two things I wouldn't normally do, um, I think that, you know, the Bills will win next week. So. All right. We got to We got to We're too early into the season to be superstitious right now. Right. We're only two and one. We don't have to get into the crazy stuff. We don't have to get over reactions, right? We've still, like John said, put up 497 yards of offense. We do sound like the podcast that would be overreacting though, right? Just yeah. us, us being level-headed is, is probably not the vibe that, that we were expecting on this Wait, one. So was but, Josh the leading rusher again too, which is like... I'm yeah, like, 47 yards. Uh, yep. He's accounted... Yes. Josh Allen has accounted for 85% of the team's offense through three Big games. debate on Twitter today, whether he should be that big of a part of the offense or not, or if it's risky trying to sustain that. First player in the league with a thousand passing yards. Sorry, Pat, go ahead. What was the deal they were talking about? Zach Moss had a run at the end of the game that should have been a touchdown. Then he got caught and they were saying that if James Cook was in that position, do you guys know what I'm talking about sequence wise? He did have a 40 yard run that he broke off randomly. Um, yeah, no, maybe with some James Cook speed, it might've been a touchdown, but that's, well, so that's one frame. of the very, that's one of the smallest coulda, woulda, shouldas for the, that game. For this sure. is, I just put, I just wrote about this. Um, that run was 43 yards by Zach Moss. The ensuing play it is, uh, I believe it's the either end of the third, start of the fourth quarter. And Josh is barking orders out at the line. And Dawson Knox has no idea what's happening. And there's like some sort of miscommunication going on. And the flag gets thrown for delay a game. But Sean McDermott had burned the first time out before the penalty had come. And I didn't like that because 
you kind of you're playing with tempo after a really long run like that and your guys are tired you should have huddled up you should have gotten to the line of scrimmage when you could have instead of trying to push it and then rushing and wasting a timeout that we desperately could have used later on in the game so that was Right after the really long Zach Moss run is when we burned our first timeout. So which, is that the circumstance? Because that's what I was wondering too. What were the circumstances that there were no time? Were they injury timeouts? Or were like yeah. So they they made it into the red zone under two minutes. They they started their last. Well, it wasn't their last drive, but the quote unquote game winning drive. They started with ten minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Long long drive. They make it all the way down to inside the five. It's fourth and goal, and Josh Allen throws a pass at Isaiah McKenzie's feet when he was open. Just missed him on an out route. It looks and like so his feet slipped that, a little bit. I was yeah, reading about that. Today. After that, the Dolphins have the ball within their two-yard line, and so the Bills burned two timeouts after the Dolphins ran twice right there at under two minutes. And then with like a minute something left, that's when they punted it, went into the, the, dude's butt. Pers- the personal protector's butt, which was a great photo. Even Pampers was getting in on this joke on Twitter, which was pretty funny. Um, or not, not Pampers. What was it? Charmin Ultra Soft, the toilet paper. Respect. <laughs> if you need something soft, don't use a football on your yeah, booty. Yeah, something like that. And then obviously, you know, drive fell short after Isaiah McKenzie couldn't get out of bounds on that play. Yeah. But, I guess yeah. so, live and die by the sword, though, because we were watching on last Monday and they went for it on a fourth and go. I feel like they've gone for it like on three fourth and goals this season, probably. So I would think two out of three, not so bad. But. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely the right decision. Well, well, there was no decision at that point. They needed a touchdown to win. I think they were down. There was no choice. Yeah. yeah what ab- so what about this uh, meme I saw uh, involving a broken iPad? Um, what's the what's the deal with that guy? Uh, how do you guys feel this about that? This was way more of a controversial topic than I thought it was going to be. Correct me if I'm wrong. I do not see any problem with him. The game is over. It's not like he threw all his papers all over the place uh, before the game was over and, and ruined anything. Dude was just frustrated because it just felt like no matter what they did, they just couldn't get it done. And they did a lot of things right and a lot of things went wrong. But a lot of people have been pushing back on it. Kyle Brandt went on a rant on his podcast about how this is going to stick with him for the rest of his professional career. As if that's a thing to me, like I think of Bill Belichick well, I throwing mean, a stuff phone. Like that happens though. I mean, Mark Sanchez, people don't think people don't think about Mark Sanchez two AFC championship games. They think Mark Sanchez, butt fumble. Yeah. But it's, it's uh, as far as angry outbursts going, being like embarrassing down the line. What about Tom Antonio Brady, Brown? Tom, Do you think people remember that Antonio Brown? But they know that in this that's that's brain way damage. different. Like that's a different level. Like if 10 Dorsey ran on the field and took his shirt off <laughs> and ran across, I think that'd be a little bit different, but no, like Tom Brady breaks two tablets a game. He did it that, like during the saints game this past weekend, Bill Belichick throws the phone and no one's like, wow, those guys cannot control their anger. You know, it's like, it's in an intense sport and I don't care if you're up in the booth, it's still intense up there. I think he, it, this was probably his weakest game called so far, but still not bad. I don't think that he's like a huge part to blame. I want to push uh, back a little bit here, John, because I think he called a winning game. Even if Josh, whatever you talk about with the balance of offense and yardage, 60, 62 attempts, 42 completions, Right. No, um, I absolutely agree. Again, when I say he called the worst game out of his three, I'm not saying like the bar is pretty high. He's called yeah. two really damn good games. The only thing that I took it not took issue with, the only thing that I could possibly put any criticism on is that they had a hard time adjusting to the pressure that Miami was bringing. 
again, part of that is execution on the right side of an offensive line that was Pat. Mitch Morse was out. Also, Spencer Brown came out of the game really early because of heat illness. And Ryan then say Tommy was Doyle was hurt. Also, too. Ryan Ryan Bates. Was Tommy out Doyle's too. out for the year now. Tommy Jeez. Doyle has a torn ACL. Yeah. Yep. So they're just it's the injury report is just stunning. It's Eric, seven, Eric Woods about to come yeah. out of the booth. About to Yeah, right. Bobby Hart. <laughs> Bobby Hart is coming. He's back from his one game suspension. So yeah. Yeah, he's yeah, back. That's pretty but, cool. Anyway, yeah, I, I thought Ken Dorsey called a good game. 17 and guys, you said, right, on the injury list? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. This 17. is the longest injury report that we've ever had in the Sean McDermott era, by far. I don't even think it's ever been close to this. See, um, uh, I want to say I agree with everything that you're saying, but do you think we even have this conversation about Ken Dorsey if McKenzie catches that ball, right, about any sort of bad game plan, not bad game plan, or... You know, the fact that it was within his grasp, it was in within Matt Milano's grasp. It was in, you know, the the safeties getting burned by Waddle. Like these little plays made a huge difference in this game. And that's just Ken Dorsey was all of us in the, that moment in time. Right. And you want to play for a guy that cares that much and is that intense. Yeah. No, I, again, I'm not taking any credit away from him. You know, as, as far as Bruce Nolan does the plurality pie. Way, like after a win or a loss, like yes. who's to blame and like who gets credit, right? So like when they win, you know, how is the credit divided, you know, amongst the big players and stuff like that. So I might only give like two to 5% of any of that kind of stuff to Ken Dorsey. But again, like a lot of the reason why they were even in the game was him, his play calling. He did a good job. Um, the other thing that I'll give him a ton of credit for was, with guys dropping like flies, guys going to the locker room, wide receivers only staying on the field for a play before they got to come off and get water. He had no idea what personnel he had available from play to play. Because uh, normally you, everybody's available, right? So you're like, I want this package, you know, and you have that stuff kind of planned. But like, if you've got a play drawn up that really you need Stefan Diggs to go do this big post route because not many other receivers on the team could pull it off and you don't know if he's going to be available from play to play, that's like a whole nother wrinkle that you have to deal with as an offensive coordinator. So I'll give him credit for that. Like the, they still put up 500 yards. It's not like the offense stalled, even though they couldn't get a run game going, you know, still went for almost 500 yards. So uh, like I said, not trying to take any credit away from Ken Dorsey, because I think that he's done a hell of a job so far. I think he's exceeded expectations for what we thought with a first time offensive coordinator. So I'm good with it, but Brandon, I know you wanted to talk about specific plays in the game that made a difference and were turning points because that's that's what your article is about, right? Yeah. Do you want to make the announcement about <laughs> yeah. you writing some articles for for BR? Just, I'm excited. Just a couple of uh, articles here and there talking about you know some breakdowns of the plays, what happened, what made that play the reason the momentum shifted and the whole game changed. And I don't know, there was a lot to choose from against Miami in like a lot as in like five plays and I couldn't decide which one I thought was the most impactful because you could go with the strip sack when Miami blitz Josh a lot. Um, you could go with that fourth down where he slips. You could go with the use of timeouts and the ball control, the fake spike, right? The clock 
management and going into halftime, which was that really, was that was a bobbled snap. It yeah. was so it's tricky because you don't want intentional grounding or because you're into fourth down then or a fumble or you know any of that sort of stuff, and that really put a damper on going into halftime. And then you can look at the safeties, right? That one play, forty, uh, what was it, fifty-three yard play to waddle down the middle and even if you have one of Hyde or third, Boyer third and 22 yeah third and yeah. 22 it just brings me reminiscent to Houston the we've talked about it on the show a lot their conversions on third down and uh well, they had a couple of them in Kansas City right now we're here and it's like one of these things they were talking about this on WGR today like if it was another player that can't connect on the Isaiah McKenzie pass. They choke, right? That's what you would call. If Tua didn't make that play, Tua choked it out in the end. We don't use that for Josh because Josh is very much clutch. He has proved it. Uh, but this snide that they're in of these close games, they're losing them by inches and inches by 13 seconds, by slipping a foot into the ground, um, by, you know, not challenging the Gabe Davis touchdown, not challenging the little, little things. I mean, the all of that is just so important. So, I mean, if you had to pick one, reason like that you thought really changed the outcome of the game do you know which one that you might say well i mean just from a math or what is it what is entropy entropy is like the increasing randomness of the universe right (laughs) so anyway if you change one event the butterfly effect gets bigger throughout the game so the later on in the game the more definitively this is really nerdy the more definitively you could say that that affects the outcome. Like if someone misses the game winning field goal, yeah. that's the easiest way to say, okay, you just change that, that one play. And to me, that play is Josh missing Isaiah McKenzie on the out route right yeah. there because they score that touchdown. Miami's offense had not done anything except for that long pass. I mean, they had 200 yards of offense. It was an average pedestrian day for them, but Hill was a non-factor two catches for 30 some odd yards all that stuff. But yeah, I think if they convert that, then they win the game. You could also say that that punt going as a safety, it was probably be, it'd be about the same. So obviously with the safety and then they kick off, they only need a field goal, right? But if they hadn't got the safety and they just punted, they would have had better field position, but they would have needed a touchdown in that case. So with only, you know, a minute something and then, no timeouts at that point. So. so how far was this field goal to win the game though? They never got the attempt off because Isaiah McKenzie was tackled in bounds and they, they couldn't no, get No, but a I spike. mean like had, had he not caught that pass. I didn't even mention this because this, this play right here, Pat, right before the end of the game was really mine. Like if I had to pick one, it's this one. It's when Questenberry holds. Let me just get it right. It's I'm sorry. The DN, he's number 91 for Miami. Questenberry held him clear as day on second and 10 from the 43 yard line of Miami. So that would have been almost a 60 yard field goal, but then they bills got pushed back 10 yards. And because they are now on the 53 instead of the 43, what would be what the bills 47 now? Um, yeah. So shades like of the, K- the Cody Ford <laughs> field yeah. Back block, right? Yeah. Um, that's, so, that's a good one as well. That's, that's a really good one. And that's even later in the game. Cause if they do score that Isaiah McKenzie touchdown, then you are still to it comes back on the field knowing that they need a touchdown. So, and the Bills had just failed on a third and 22. So, it was you know, on uh, Emmanuel. Defense. Oh, sorry, John. Emmanuel Agba. Emmanuel Agba. Yep. He was yeah. at the end. They got help. Yeah, who was providing, he was pressuring Josh. Like he got a good jump off the ball. 
But the the lines, it was tough with that heat. It was probably boiling as if you're a D line or offensive line player. I'm not envious of those guys. Yeah. Also, um, it kind of felt like the Steelers game last year where Melvin Ingram was kind of wreaking havoc a little bit. He wreaked havoc in the Ravens game last week and he wreaked havoc this week. And he was a player that I believe we talked about wanting on the Bills, especially the Bills actually in played City. him. The Bills actually played him, I believe, three times last year. They played him. Yeah, because he was on the Chiefs, right? He was on the Chiefs, yeah. yeah. Didn't do as much damage on the Chiefs, at least, but yeah, Pat, that's a good that's a good little factoid right there. I forgot yes. about that. I appreciate you boys uh, filling me in on the game. I have yet to really watch any of the highlights because I don't want to feel terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you're like all of us, man. So, but I know through the butterfly effect that I have not watched the Bills lose a game this season. So I'm not <laughs> 16 and one from you know the get go. Let's uh, let's get that on paper. But yeah, I have some quotes if you boys want though too. So yeah, let's do it. Sweet. Let's do it. Let's get a break in real quick. We'll do that. And we'll be back with some quotes from Pat. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I still have not created a quotes with Pat intro and I need to like Pat, you might need to Pat. Can you do this? Can you just like do a little jingle on your keyboard sometime? I can do it right now. (laughs) I can do it right now. Let me see. (laughs) This is great. This is impromptu. I have my, I have my, my MIDI right here, but I'll just do it with my guitar right here. Welcome to Quotes with Pat. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's really no, good. No, no, you got to do like two or three in different accents. So that's Southern quotes with Pat. Can we do like Midwestern quotes with Pat? Welcome to quotes with Pat, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I got one more. Canadian quotes with Pat? Nah. How are you? Welcome to Quotes with Pat. Boston <laughs> Pat. <laughs> I like it. All right, Pat, what you got? I got like two actual pretty good ones this time. So hopefully you guys don't get them too easy. I think one phone call that changed my life was my friend Ed. He called me one day and said, I have this girl. I think you should call her. I ended up calling her and it ended up being the love of my life. She didn't pick up at first, actually. I had to leave a voicemail. My friend Ed. Ray Lewis. No, I was thinking I it didn't the Ed seems to be a personal friend of this guy, not necessarily. I was Ed Lewis. Or uh, Ed Reed Ed and Reed, Ray Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but this is thought. the type of guy you would think would never have to leave a voicemail. You would think that ninety eight percent of football fans would jump through a wall to answer this call, but um apparently the person he was calling did not. I think one phone call that changed my life was from my friend Ed. He called me one day and said, I have this girl and I think you should call her. I ended up calling her and it ended up being the love of my life. She didn't pick up at first, actually. I had to leave a voicemail. I'll read you another quote from the same interview. Is this Tom Brady? It is, it is Tom Brady. Yeah. Oh, nice. How would you, Tom Brady getting ghosted? Just so you boys know out there, anyone who's nervous about. <laughs> Love, just know even the greatest of all time was ghosted at one point. Um, <laughs> nice. Dude, I saw a pretty funny tweet. That, uh, you know how the Packers and, and uh, Bucks played over the weekend? Yeah. It said, uh, quarterback of the losing team has to call their family. <laughs> <laughs> True. I think, I don't know, the Aaron Rodgers situation is strange because I feel like he acts like he's estranged to his family, but like his family is like, yeah, we hang out with Aaron all the time. It's very, very strange dynamic. Um, all right. I got one more quote for, for you boys. And I don't think you'll be able to pull this off. Maybe you will though. I like Lil Wayne's style. His style probably influences me the most. Basically he's wearing exactly what he feels like wearing. He goes to the club and he's got shorts and a wife beater on that shows you what type of celebrity he is and what he is able to pull off fashion wise. I try to be in that same lane. Cam Newton. You would think Cam Newton. Um, no, Cam Newton's all about the extra I stuff. I know, he's all about right? style, yeah. I'm trying to think of like guys that I've seen in locker room interviews or who are just like in a wife beater. Not Cam Newton. Someone that's a little bit more lovable than Cam. Someone that really seems to be embracing the anti-fashion movement right now or is so indifferent to fashion that um, they don't really seem to care about it anymore. Aaron Rodgers. He's a player on the Bills. Oh, oh! I was gonna say like Kirk Cousins with the flannel, but I don't think that's intentionally bad. Um, I like Lil Wayne's style. His style probably influences me the most. Basically, he's wearing exactly what he feels like wearing. He goes to the club. Isaiah? Nah, not Isaiah McKenzie. All right, let's start with the names. Teron Johnson. Ed Oliver? Nope. He's Johnson, someone that Teron really. Johnson. Probably could flex oh, wait, the wait, fashion. Wait, not Matt Milano, right? No, Matt Milano's. Come on, Matt. Did you know that Matt Milano's a minimalist? 
I think I read somewhere that I've seen this man in like Armani t-shirts and stuff getting off the plane. (laughs) Well, you don't have to, you can still have expensive stuff if you're a minimalist. I'm just saying if you walked into this guy's house, yeah, he's probably just got like one of everything and probably has a pretty clean uh, house. uh, Spartan, Spartan home decor or whatever. All right. Well, this, this man is definitely not um, very minimalist or Spartan in his uh, interior design preferences. Um, He's someone that has a pretty terrible haircut von miller von miller ding 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 <laughs> yeah. oh, it took me a second i forgot this about quotes the from like this quotes from like 2012 in all fairness but <laughs> he does definitely rock the uh the simple looks when he can he was wearing like a like a nascar t-shirt and a trucker hat after um <laughs> after the rams game he's always switching it up but He's been wearing some pretty uh, hype classic Bill shirts uh, for warmups. I don't know if you guys seen yeah. like some old Kelly shirts and, and that he had a Josh thing. Allen for MVP t-shirt on. Was it last week or was it? Might have been two weeks ago, but Wheezy F baby. All right, well that's going to do it for this one. You guys know where to find us on Twitter at Not Buff Podcast. Um, just a reminder, I can't believe I forgot to do this till the end of the episode again. Um, but we do have a little merch site up right now because we just slapped our logo on a bunch of stuff, and you can order it there. Anyway, we, we gave away a sweatshirt today. That was pretty fun. People seem to like the design. Um, just check our bio link for that. It'll also be in the description of the podcast if you want to check it out. Um, it might only be up for a limited time because, you know, when our free trial runs out and we actually have to start paying for it, you know, it's not like we're getting tons of orders and can actually just pay for it. So <laughs> <laughs> get them while they're hot, boys. Yeah. All right. We'll uh, see you guys on Friday and go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.